This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Now, here's Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins. Over the weekend, uh, or I guess it was the weekend for us because it was yesterday, big news coming from the Dodgers. Julio Arias uh, arrested on suspicion of domestic violence. And the craziest part of this was the fact that this allegedly happened at the LAFC soccer game, where a ton of celebrities, including Julio Arias, were watching Lionel Messi play against the local soccer team. So I just saw this headline and immediately I thought to myself, what is he doing? He did this in public in front of all of these celebrities because, Jenks, you should have seen the celebrity list because uh, I think the PR team put out uh, a list of all the celebrities that were, like, supposed to be at the game. Uh, Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, uh, LeBron James, Tobey Maguire. We had uh, Rage Against the Machine guy. Uh, It said music artist. It doesn't even say a person here. But bottom line, there were a ton of celebrities Mm. here. And what gets me the most is that if this is allegedly happening in public, yeah, like how worse do you think it is behind doors? Well, that's the terrifying thing about it. I, I when I read that, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this happened publicly, so not that it makes it any better or any worse. Right. But to your point, it's if this is something you can't even control publicly when you know that people are watching, when you know you're in the public eye, when you know that everything you do is going to be magnified and the spotlight is on you. And remember, this is not the first time that he's been Mm -hmm. accused of domestic violence. I believe he was suspended for 20 games a few years ago, even though nothing ever happened, the charges were dropped. So he has a history here. And for this to happen in public, it certainly looks like allegedly it's escalating it's just a bad look all the way around oh for sure and this is a big part of the dodgers pitching staff as well Mm -hmm. obviously this is the lesser storyline but we are a sports show so we've got to talk about it because uh julio rios is now you know away from the team at least for the foreseeable future and i think people don't put him in the category of like aces on the Dodgers because they have so many big names on that team that sometimes people forget about Julio Arias and how much he has meant to this team in the postseason because the year that the Dodgers won the World Series back in 2020, Julio Arias could have made a case for MVP. Mm -hmm. He was that good in the postseason. Over uh, the course of eight games, he was 4-0 with a 117 ERA, 23 innings of work, and 29 strikeouts for the postseason for the Dodgers. He was nails the year that they won the World Series. So when you bring that type of postseason experience and good postseason experience Mm -hmm. to the table, and now it's probably going to be gone from the Dodgers, this is going to be a big loss if he's out for the rest of the season. It's a huge loss. So yeah, strictly from a baseball perspective, and he's a guy who, yes, he struggled this year, but he's been 
first of all, has been a part of that rotation, a huge part of the rotation for a while now, but also he's gotten better as the season has gone on. So if you're looking at his metrics early in the season, you'll say, yeah, he, he hasn't been great, but he has been much better down the stretch. So when you're talking about a Dodgers team that sort of got taken to the woodshed a little bit by the Braves and sort of put in their place over the weekend, this is the last thing they need. Oh, for sure. Even though, do we really fault the Dodgers losing to the Braves? Like, if you're going to lose no. to anybody, at least you're losing to the Braves. So right. let's look at the Daily Slate and try to think what we make of the Dodgers today against the Marlins. Because, Jenks, I saw this price, mm -hmm. and I almost thought it was a steal of a price for L.A. They're playing the Marlins today. It's on the East Coast, which maybe is built into the price here, as they are facing off with the Marlins. Miami plus 125, total of 7.5 and a half runs. Clayton Kershaw gets the ball for the Dodgers, who's immense an incredible season. He's 12-4 and four with a 2.48 ERA. Jesus Lazardo goes for the Marlins. He's 9-8 and eight with a 3.62 ERA. When you saw the Dodgers on the money line mm -hmm. at minus 150, did it seem a little strange to you? Yes, and no. it does, except for the fact that Lazardo has been really, really good. So if you look at his numbers, man, it's hard to deny that he's been exceptional. And so I think that's one of the reasons why you're getting the Dodgers at a cheap price. At the, at the end of the day, though, and you're getting the Marlins in their superior split. They hit lefties very, very good. However, Clayton Kershaw, when I see, oh, this team hits lefties really well, I'm like, yeah, but it's Clayton Kershaw. That's a different type of pitcher. Mm -hmm. It's a different level of pitcher. So that doesn't impact me as much as maybe just another major leaguer. So for me, this is just about value. I won on the Dodgers last week. When do you get the Dodgers at minus 150? So they clearly have an advantage overall with their bats. Kershaw is a better pitcher. I like the Dodgers in the money line. I like them too. And it feels like this is one that's going to be gone by the time we do our best I bets. Know. I actually bet this one last night. Because it was minus 150. I was like, well, this is going to be minus 165 <laughs> by the time the show rolls around. But looking back at Lazardo, he has had back-to-back -back really good starts. Back-to-back uh, -back outings of six innings of shutout mm -hmm. ball. Uh, but it was against the Padres and the Rays. Like, the Rays, they're a pretty good offense. But the Padres, they're not a good offense. Like, I know that they should be, but they're not. Then you go back to the Houston game. When he faced a good offense, who only went three and two-thirds and gave up five earned runs. Gave up seven earned runs to the Yankees, who I wouldn't say are a good offense either. And then you go back to the Braves. He gave up four runs over five and two-thirds. So I think the takeaway for me is Jesus Lazardo dominates when he's facing some offenses that are a little subpar. But mm. it almost feels like the same deal how you were saying, yeah, Clayton Kershaw is a lefty and the Marlins hit lefties really well, but he is a step above. That's yeah. how I feel about this Dodgers offense, that even though Hazel Cesardo has been really good, this Dodgers offense is a step above most teams. They are top five in most statistical categories over the last month. I know they just got their tail between their legs after losing to the Braves, <laughs> but are you really going to fall them for losing to the Braves? Braves are the best no. team in baseball. So I think the Dodgers here are the right call and also i'll say the dodgers on the run line have been a pretty solid play uh they are seven and three against the the spread which is on the run line over their last 10 would you take a gander at the run line here maybe maybe but at the same time when you're talking about a low total with the total at seven and a half and lazardo has been so yep. good then it makes me think okay if there's not a lot of runs expected to be scored then we could be looking at a closer. Look, it could be 6-1.
Dodgers and the under could still hit. So it could absolutely happen. I just did, I, I tend to get a little more nervous when the totals are shorter when we're talking about a run line bet. Oh, for sure, because runs are at a premium. But yeah. also, you would be getting the Dodgers, I believe, at plus money if you played the run line. It's plus 115, so it may be a good way mm-hmm. to get some plus money on your car. But also, it is expected to be a low-scoring affair. So, Jenks, for this mm. next game, yes. I saw the total, and I thought, hmm, I'm going to play under eight in the Twins and Guardians. So you look yep. at this pitching matchup. Sonny Gray, Tanner Bybee, both have been incredible uh, this season, but they've already faced each other. And also, the Twins put up a 20 spot God, yesterday against the Guardians. Does this scare you off playing an under here? Because it kind of makes me a little nervous. A little bit. Maybe their bats are going to go red hot and they'll only score 15 today. I, I think you ultimately, <laughs> unless you see a sustained period where a team is raking like this, and no one's going to hit 20 runs a game, obviously. But if they're hitting really well, then you say, all right, I need to be careful here. But if it's just a one-off, I wouldn't worry about it. The thing that scares me more than that is that the money's coming in on the over. Because I'm like you. I love the under in this game. Everything screams under. The Guardians hit the under at home more than 67% of the time. It's the best mark in baseball as far as unders go. Both of these guys, great in these individual spots here. I think under eight is the play, but you're not wrong. I'm I'm nervous about this one. <sighs> But at some point, I think Minnesota is going to cool off because they have some stats that are wild. Like the fact that Royce Lewis has hit three grand slams in the last eight games. Like that's not sustainable. He's not going to hit 40 grand slams this year. So that accounts for a lot of runs. Like three times four is what? 12. That's 12 runs. So I just feel like it's unsustainable for Minnesota, the type of numbers they're putting up. So I would lean towards the under. I don't think I'm going to play it, though, because that uh, 20-run game makes me especially nervous. Next, let's go to the Astros and the Rangers. We have got an in-state showdown between Houston and Texas. Houston, minus 120, Texas even money, total of nine runs. Framber Valdez gets the ball for the Strohs. He's 10-9, and 3-3 ERA, facing off against Nathan Avaldi, who's 11-3 with a 2-6-9 ERA. So, Jenks, I used to be all about betting the Rangers, especially at even money, but they have not been the wagons that they used to be. Have you lost faith in the Rangers a little bit? A little bit. I mean, my handicap is Rangers first five minus 105. I'm not going to bet it just because they still remain the one of the best teams in the first five, second best first five team in baseball and playing at home. And you got Nathan Eovaldi, who in Arlington this season, 5-2, 2.60 ERA. Framber Valdez has been better recently on the road. No question about it. ERA of 3.62. But Rangers are fifth in the major leagues against lefties. I like Rangers' first five money line. You're not laying much juice. The only thing that scares me is the Rangers aren't playing well. So if they're playing good baseball, I'd be all over this bet. But it does give me pause. I think this is one where I don't have a good enough feeling on either side. So I think it's a stay away for me because, like I said, the Rangers just haven't been as trustworthy. I think the only way to play them is in the first five. They've blown a lot of these games. So I think that if you want to feel any faith at all, you only play the Rangers in the first five. So I think that's the only way to go. Next up, let's head to the West Coast, Phillies and Padres. We've got Phillies minus 115, San Diego minus 105, 
total of eight and a half. Michael Lorenzen gets the ball for the Phillies. He's eight and eight with a 372 ERA facing Pedro Avila, who is 0-2 with a 2-6-7 ERA. So this is kind of the meaning of two teams that uh, are going in opposite directions. San Diego has very much underachieved this season, and the Phillies have kind of turned things on in the past month or so. So mm-hmm. it feels like the Phillies at a cheap price to me. Yeah. Uh, can you make a case for the Padres here? You can. I, I think the case is that Pedro Avia has been – very good this season, and this is a pen game for the Padres, and the mm-hmm. Padres have one of the better bullpens in Major League Baseball. So a lot of times when you hear bullpen game, you get scared off, right? Not necessarily when it comes to the right team, but I'm like you, Chelsea. At this point in the season, I just have no trust in the Padres at all. You can factor in motivation if you want or not this time of year, but the Phillies are right there in the hunt, squarely in the wild card race, leading the National League wild card race. The Padres aren't doing anything. So this is essentially the flip of the coin. That's what the numbers are telling you. So I'll just take the Phillies just based on the fact they are still playing for something and they will be motivated and the Padres are just mailing it in. So I'll take Philly. Yeah, Phillies is a much better offense. In fact, Mm -hmm. over the last month, the Phillies have the best OPS in baseball. It's almost 1,000. Well, it's 929, but still, better than the Braves, better than the Dodgers. Offensively, the Phillies bats have finally awoken from their slumber. Meanwhile, the Padres bats just keep hitting snooze. They're one of those people. They're just like, oh, I'll get up in five minutes. What about seven minutes? Jenks, do you ever hit snooze? Or are you somebody who just wakes up like that? Oh, God. Well, I used to be a snooze person, but not anymore. Not anymore. I Now I have this really annoying habit where I just wake up. Probably This morning, I woke up at 2.05. I couldn't sleep. I'm like, oh. Michael, you're killing yourself. So finally, at 3... I was like, just just get up, just get up. So I got at three, even though I've been up since two. And so normally I might hit the snooze once, but once I get up, I just get up. Now the lovely Catherine is different because I slept in with her last week when I was off because I had to go to the doctor and she hit the snooze button five times. And I said, honey, uh... it's time. It's time to stop this. This We can't do this. But I'm never waking up with her at the same time. I'd never experienced it before. She's like, I do this every morning. I'm like, whoa. Not this morning. We got to find another way. Because I started to lull back to sleep. Huh. I'm jolted awake again. Started to lull back to sleep. Jolted awake again. So I don't know how people do that. A couple times, yeah. But when you're doing snooze five, six times, just set your alarm for half an hour later and get yourself an extra half hour of sleep. Yeah. I think there is a max for me. Three snoozes max. Oh, if max. you are doing five, if you are doing seven, that's annoying. You can't go back to sleep. That like three minutes of sleep that you're getting in between snoozes. Do you really think that's worth it? <laughs> For more, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.